It's a Roman royal official. It's a man of the government. Lives in Capernaum. Jesus is once again in Cana of Galilee. It's that place where the water was turned to wine. It's that very special place near the boyhood place of Jesus Christ. Now this man comes to Jesus and says to him, well not only says, but the scripture says that he begged him. He begged him to come to Capernaum with him and heal his son who was now at death's door. I want you first to understand that he had news about Jesus. He knew this man could work miracles. He knew that this man was a very special man. He had heard the witnesses. Jesus had already been down for more than one or two different festive occasions in Jerusalem, had worked miracles in Jerusalem, and had taught in the temple. So they knew of him. And Jesus spoke to the people and shared his, his, his word with them. And I, I, I kind of look at this and hear this man begging Jesus. And I come to one sweet conclusion, and I want you to hear it. We must go to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. You know, when I was a prison chaplain, I would say Jesus is the answer. And I'd always have some sassy girls call back at me and say, Hey, chaplain, what's the question? And uh, I would then have to ask the Lord, Oh, God, help me. Well, the question is sin. Uh, the question is illness. The question is problems. The question is whatever. Whatever brings you anxiety, whatever brings you problems, whatever brings you trouble. And the question is even your search and your quest for God. Jesus is the answer. And I'm here to tell you, and I think I tell you Sunday after Sunday, and we try to live it day after day, that Jesus is the answer. We must go to Jesus. I want you to think of a Jairus there in, in Judea with a daughter that's dying, a 12-year-old daughter that's dying. And he doesn't care that he is a, a high official of the Jewish church, of the Jewish temple. And he was. Jairus was close to a Pharisee. They called him a prince of the temple. And Jairus came and said to Jesus, matter of fact, Jairus came and bowed down before Jesus. That in itself was just, whoa, has he gone crazy? No. He knew his need and he knew the source. And those are two things we've got to get very clear in our lives. You've got to know your need. What do you need? What do you need? Do you need peace? Do you need love? Do you need tranquility? Do you need solutions to your problems? Now don't laugh, do you need money? Who doesn't? What is it that we need? Well, he is a supplier of all our needs. And, and, I, and, and I believe this, believe this with all my heart. It was Jairus that asked him for healing for his daughter and by the time he got to Jairus' daughter, she was dead. She was dead. So you'd almost have to say, as the people did say to him, do not trouble the master, for your daughter is dead. And that's where Jesus said only just a few words, only believe, only believe. 
And Jesus went in and the unbelievers were screaming and saying, you didn't have to come. She's dead. She is, it's over. And it was there that Jesus didn't even let them go into the room with him. There's something about unbelief that has to stay at a distance. Jesus went in with his disciples and the mom and the dad. And Jairus' daughter was told to get up and she did. And I like what Jesus said to her, give us something to eat. I would say, give us some chicken soup, right? The child was healed. And it was a living testimony. And just before he got to Jairus' house, did you know that there was a woman that stopped him in his tracks? It's that lady that became famous for extending her hand and realizing that this is a prophet and a woman with menstruation cannot touch a prophet because then she makes him unclean. So she decides, I will not touch him. I cannot touch him. The law says I cannot. But I'll touch the hem of his garment. And she reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And then Jesus says, who touched me? Then Peter says, what do you mean? Thousands surround you and you want to know who? No, he says, no. Someone has touched me like no one else. Virtue has flowed out from me. And this poor trembling woman thinks uh, he's going to condemn me. And she says, it was I. And Jesus says, well, go in peace. Thy faith has made thee whole. She was healed the minute she touched. We must go to Jesus. I'm going to tell you something, and don't get overwhelmed and don't get upset. The trouble with our lives, mainly, and the trouble with our existence is that we go everywhere else before we go to Jesus. We do the whole turn. We go round and round in circles. Uh, we reach out here. We reach out there. We reach out here. We reach out here. And when there's nothing left, when we're totally desperate, when there's no energy left, when there isn't anything, anything in our lives, uh, somehow or other in deep desperation, we say, Jesus, help me. Yes, he does help us. But just think of all the energy you would have saved had you come to him first. Think of your own life. Think of your, what you're going through right now. And think of the situations in your life. Think of, 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 of everything. If we would go to Jesus, we would not suffer half as much as we do. Why? Because he is our source. And we must trust him. Jairus came. This Roman official has come to the Lord. The lady of the issue of blood has come. And they've all been healed. Now let's see, let, let me see. And let's look into your scripture. Jesus says to him, won't any of you believe in me unless I do more and more miracles? In other words, you're not coming to me for me. You're coming to get something. And, and, he's, and, and I like the officials. I like what he says. In the 49th verse, uh, in other words, look, sir, I don't need a sermon right now. I, I really don't need anything. I've got, a boy that, I've got a boy that's dying. The official said, sir, please come now before my child dies. No reprimands, no, no nothing, no speeches, nothing. Just, just come, my boy is dying. And then Jesus says, I like Jesus because he sees through our hyperness. You know, when you get hyper, sometimes you get very ugly. And it's, it's not that we, we are that way. It's the anxiety that makes us that way. 
Have you ever said something ugly to someone you never meant to say it that way? You were just so nervous and you had to get it across as quick as you possibly could. And out it came and you almost bowled them over, rolled them out. And the person stood there shaking like a leaf in the wind and you never meant to do it. Well, this man is saying, don't talk to me about miracles. Don't talk to me about anything. Just come. My son is dying. And Jesus says, well, go back home. Go ahead. Go back home. Your son is healed. And here comes the most beautiful words in the entire Bible. And the man believed Jesus and started home. Isn't that simple? Factory in my head. Hold up the gray matter. Lord, if I cease to speak what I should speak for you and worship and praise you, well, hey, come on. Let the tongue be gone. You say, sister, you, you're crazy. No, but let me tell you something. He won't do it. He, he won't do it. He won't do it. So I can ask anything I want, and he won't do it, because anything that interrupts your will, your volition, your choice, he, he won't. Why? Because he wants you to choose him. He wants you to believe on him. Oh, hallelujah. Don't let it seem that hard. The Roman official believed, and then listen to that last part, and I love it. That end of the 53rd verse, and it says, And the officer in his entire household believed that Jesus was Messiah. Why? Well, the religion they knew, the religion they knew, was the Hebrew religion. They lived in this country. They understood the feasts and they understood the celebrations. And the Roman Empire, the Roman government, never sent anybody to Israel that didn't fully understand what that nation and what that land was all about. Matter of fact, the, uh, the church history tells us that it was, uh, it was a little lightning ball on the map for them. There were more insurrections in that little piece of, of, of land than anywhere in the Roman Empire. So they made it their business that whoever went there was to keep peace. And if peace meant believing, if peace meant honoring, if peace meant, hey, understanding what these people are doing, do it. And that's why throughout the Gospels, you will find Roman soldiers, you will find uh, uh, Roman people, you will find Gentiles, you will find Samaritans that believed according to the Hebrew faith. There they were. And Jesus came on the scene, and they, they became believers in Jesus as Messiah. But the beautiful thing about this is that your believing will attract all those that surround you. In this particular case, it was a miracle. Here's a boy that's dying. Jesus sends his word. The boy is healed. And the father comes home, and at the same hour that Jesus had spoken, the healing took place. So this man witnessed to this. He told his household. He told his wife. He told everybody that worked for him. This is what happened. And the scripture says that the entire household believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Isn't that marvelous? I close with this little thought. The oldest of the apostles was John. He was called the apostle of love. It's the apostle that shows up 
30 or 35 years after all the other apostles shows up, as far as writings are concerned. Most of the apostles, and even Paul, gives us their writing all the way up to the year 67. John's writings come to us at about the year 90 or 95. Quite unique, quite different. I've got my own breakdown on that, and it may not uh, hold water to some people, and I don't really care. I just know that of the, of the disciples, he was the youngest. And of the disciples, he was the only one at the cross. And of the disciples, he the only one that received a message from the cross. And what was that message? Take care of Mary. Take care of Mary. And why was Jesus giving orders to take care of Mary? Because it was a fulfillment of a commandment. Honor your mother and your father. That your days may be lengthened upon this earth. I kind of feel John took that very serious. I think John was with Mary until her death. And then continued his ministry. And anybody would say, but he was so old. The Roman government was very frightened of John. Wherever he was... He created a tremendous, a tremendous revival. Wherever he was, the Christians became inflamed. The Christians tore out. The Christians wandered to every end of the earth that they could, proclaiming Christ and Messiah. So the Roman government says to their people, follow him. Listen to him. Bring me back his message. What is he saying to the people to inflame them? Is he speaking against Rome? Does he have some secret weapon? This is church history. Those that followed John would come back and say, no secret weapons, no word against Rome. He just keeps talking about Jesus. There isn't anything else he says. He says that Jesus... You have to love him. And that Jesus is love. He says this over and over. And whoever has Jesus will love. And it's that love that will show the world that we belong to him. Well, well what, what else does he say? Well, he says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. It's a message of, I don't know, it's so simple. He doesn't say much. Well, what else does he say? Well, th that's about it. That's his theme. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is Messiah. If you follow him, you will be saved if you receive him and accept him. Well, you know, after they got through searching and following John, and this is all he ever said, which once again goes back to the simplicity of the gospel. We've made the gospel a song fest. We've made the gospel cathedrals. We've made the gospel big, big churches with spirals. We've made the gospel a big thing across the world. We've made Christianity, and with what we've made, we've also failed. But this is what we've done. What did they do? All they did was talk about him. They believed him and talked. They believed him and shared. They believed him and reached out. They believed him. And that's all we have to do. <coughs> Folks, Christianity is just that simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized and thou shalt be saved. And it's believing in him, believing in his word. Whatever he says here, 
he will fulfill it. Whatever he's promised, he'll give you. Whatever he's told us to say about him, it will come to pass. You see, I don't have to sell Jesus. I don't have to sell him. I just have to tell you that his blood from Calvary washes me whiter than snow. I just have to tell you that my sadness when I take it to Jesus is turned into gladness. I just have to tell you that I have a hope that I never had before since I have him. That's all I have to say. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why, in many senses, I have no other drive. I have no other push. I have no other, oh, I want to get bigger. Don't get, don't get me wrong, folks. I want to see a bigger church. I want to have room to tell other people about Jesus. But there's just something that comes with growth that sometimes is so dangerous, and I'm asking God that it not happen here. That we don't get happy being who we are. That we don't get satisfied because we go to church. That coming to church becomes synonymous to knowing him. Nothing is synonymous to him. Your activities are not synonymous to him. Your, your, your country, your land, uh, nothing is synonymous to him. He stands out alone, singular. There is nothing else, no one else uh, his name is Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Uh, he is Messiah. Came to redeem the world. And after 2,000 years, we could almost say Christianity, yes, in many senses, has failed. But guess what? Jesus never fails. So we may sometimes have to step out of the shell that's called Christianity and walk out freely saying Jesus is the answer.